Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. So I joined the weightlifting team. That was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that a lot. And with that, about the same time, I became a football manager. Um, it's, a, it's a water boy. I was a water boy and did towels. I didn't know anything about softball, and I did not care at all about softball, but he was like, and I was like, I don't know about this. And he was like, you can get a tan, and you can get a boyfriend. And I was like, sold. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hinkin. And this week on the podcast, Bad News Bears, two stories about men trying to make a big impression on the field. Which they do, but not necessarily in the way that they wanted to. (laughs) So um, this first story is really one from deep in the archives. Um, So Heath Harrison, oh my gosh, he's probably married, has kids, and is about to retire right now. That's correct, yes. (laughs) He's running for president. Um, (laughs) But this is a great story about a guy in the South um, trying to just Make an impression and, um, and the, uh, the fallout from that. So high school, 1995 to 1999, uh, this is uh, in the South, but beach community South, very, very stereotypical beach community. Um, so, but I also came there just to, I went to Gulf Breeze, moved to Gulf Breeze, went to Gulf Breeze High School uh, about two months after... Uh, leaving where I had pretty much grown up from, uh, which was Ocean Springs, Mississippi, on the Gulf Coast, really only about two hours down the road, but still two totally different worlds. So it was kind of a combination of, like, how do I combine, like, the four-wheel drive culture with board shorts? And so <laughs> I, uh, I actually just, so I did both. Um, so anyways, this is a time when amazing bands like Pearl Jam uh, and, yeah, and uh, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, you know, started to kind of go into the shadow of bands like the Spice Girls <laughs> and songs like the Macarena. So I spent high school trying to figure out, you know, who I'm supposed to be um, and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really, you know, know exactly where that was going. I got along with a lot of people, didn't know if I was supposed to be in one group, all groups or what. Um, There's two things that kind of stood out. One. Uh, one was that I didn't like the popular scene. Um, I was well-known, but I wasn't popular. Uh, I liked to actually antagonize um, the popular kids <laughs> doing outrageous things that just kind of embarrassed them or annoyed them a lot. Um, I enjoyed that. And the other thing is, and it kind of goes hand in hand, is I like to do outrageous stuff. Liked. <laughs> I don't do that stuff anymore. I like to do outrageous stuff to kind of just get like a really natural reaction out of people. Um, yeah, it's pretty self-serving. But so, so anyways, those two things stood out. And that brings me to the story of, well, what do I do? What do I do with my time? I didn't make the soccer team, so, but I do want to be in shape. Uh, so I joined the weightlifting team. That was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that a lot. And with that, about the same, about the same time, I became a football manager. Um, <laughs> It's a, it's a water boy. I was a water boy and did towels uh, and stuff like that. So I loved it, though. I really did. It was, it was cool. If you've ever seen, like, Friday Night Lights or RC Blues or anything like that, um, you kind of get an idea. I also was a water boy when, um, 
the movie Waterboy came out. That was cool. Um, so, yeah, anyways, so I, uh, I, I did both. I, you know, was around the football players a lot, did that whole thing. Um, that's where the story takes place. Uh, we're doing two days. It's, it's, it's Florida, it's hot. Two days is what you do during the summer when there's no school, so there's, you know, you do football practice twice a day. It's nuts, it's really crazy. Um, and, you know, so I'm like doing the whole like water thing and towel thing and, and, and doing all that. And so, uh, but there's, you know, there's time to kill and there's, there's like four or five, I think there's five other like girl manager, other. Um, <laughs> so, I've, I've had series of operations since high school. No, I've had, uh, so there was uh, actually five girl managers in addition to my manly self. And there's always like, you know, the people that are hurt and so they're hanging out with you. There's like the people, you know, like the trainer and stuff like that. So you always have people over there. There's people getting water, there's people in downtime. So, you know, that's, that was my stage at the time. And so, you know, what can I do that's outrageous? It's a hot day, I don't really feel like doing anything. Um, so let's just joke around and all of a sudden, so we have, we have water, we have Gatorade and a Gatorade, of course, attracts bees. So I get one of the bees on my finger and I'm like, got a bee on my finger and people are like, you're dumb. So <laughs> I was like, that's not really true. Watch this. So I go, ow. I stuck, you know, like the bee on the tip of my finger, I stuck my finger in my mouth, like pretty far down my throat, pulled it back out, and there's the bee still in the finger, like, what the heck just happened? Uh, people are pretty bothered by that, but like, just kind of thinking I'm, you know, funny, but also kind of annoying, and, and all this kind of stuff, I loved it, and so I was like, ha ha ha, I'll do it again. <laughs> Negative reinforcement's better than no reinforcement, so I was like, ah, and the bee was not on the end of my finger. Um, I had not closed my mouth yet. Uh, and there's that like moment that are like, what do I do? <laughs> I don't feel it. I don't know where it is, but it's not on my finger. Uh, so, so I, I like grab the closest thing to me, which is like you know the the water bottle. So so then I just I just take the water and I just. <sighs> literally go through an entire water bottle drinking it like really drinking it like but like kind of doing like the, what you learn later in college like how to open your throat so that just all goes down and so I, I literally go through one of these bottles and then I'm just like and just like grab another one still going still going at this point like I have kind of a crowd because the few people that did watch me are like rolling in the sweet sweet justice that's going on right now and other people are starting to come up. Anybody that's going to get water anyways, you know, they're, they're coming up, like, what's going on, getting the story. Everyone's, like, laughing. This is, like, really freaky, but it's that guy. Um, and so, so, anyways, so I, I go through, like, a second one, literally go through an entire second thing. I don't know how my body at the time uh, could hold that much water, but so I, I do that, and then I stop, right? I'm done. Like, I'm like, surely, surely. That was enough to like wash that bee wherever it was all the way down into my stomach with the stomach acid, right? That'll, that'll eat it up and like I'll never think about it again. And so I stopped and I'm like, 
And if you've have you ever if you've ever had chips, like sometimes you don't like chew the chips all the way, and like <laughs> it gets caught. You can like it'll go when it goes down, like it scratches the throat when it goes down, like you know anywhere along there, like a Dorito or uh, something like that. Doritos, feel free to send me like bags of Doritos for free now um, for the plug. But anyways, just kidding. Uh, so yeah, so it started to feel like that, and I was like, well, it's just something stuck in my throat, or like, I mean, like it's, that's how what it did on its way down. But then, if you've ever held like a beetle or like like a roach bug crawls across your foot or something like that, that feeling of like each individual little like <laughs> exoskeleton leg is just like. And the bees just like, I went down, I'll, I'll go back up. So he, he starts literally like this little like divot area in your neck, you know, like under my Adam's apple because I'm a guy. Uh, and starts working its way back up. Um, like literally, this is what's going on. This, this bee is, it's, and it's successful. Like it's really moving up my throat. And so I, I grab more bottles and, and keep drenching, keep drenching, keep drenching. Um, and, I'm, and I'm worried, like I'm not allergic to bees, but I'm thinking like, okay, I don't have to really be allergic for like, oh, bee sting in the throat, oh, can't breathe anymore. How did Heath Harrison die? Oh yeah, uh, a bee? Ooh, so he was like allergic, no, he stuck a bee down his throat and now he's dead. So I'm, I'm going through this and so, you know, all these things are racing in my mind. Like, there's just people just laughing at me so hard. And I want to laugh at myself because, like, I can kind of step away from situations and be like, if that was not me, that's so freaking awesome. Like, that's so funny. Uh, so, but I'm not really laughing in that moment. Uh, I'm really kind of afraid. I do, like, you know, I don't know, I finished that water bottle and then, like, stopped and just waiting for that, like, you can feel every single leg that I'm... Every single leg, it, and it really got like close to like where my, like, the base of your tongue starts. Like I really felt it that high, that high, and then. But yeah. So, anyways, I was successful. I washed it down, um, and uh, it, it didn't. I didn't feel the crawling sensation anymore. I wasn't uh, dead yet, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, what's cool is like 13 years later, I get to come talk about it in front of like a bunch of people I don't know. <laughs> Um, and so it was really definitely worth it. Um, thank you. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time. It's been time. 13 years yeah, since I told Yeah, but story. I remember him telling that story about the bee and the feeling of it. And and just the, I mean, the audience, oh they were in God. tears of laughter. Oh, my God. Yeah. I worked with him at the time at Kenny Krieger, and I just remember being like, you got to tell that story on, on this thing I do, the stoop. And I remember him being like, I have no idea. But, yeah, he was wrote. such a natural oh, yeah. storyteller. Yeah. yeah. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. So this next story of Bad News Bears is from R. Eric Thomas, who's a playwright and actually hosts the Moth in various iterations. He's and a television writer. He wrote for Better Things, one of my right. all-time favorite TV shows. If you've not watched it, 
you got to watch it, Ian, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're mom. Yes to all that. Um, and he it was so great to have we have, he had been like on our radar forever mm-hmm. to have to have at a show. And he shared this story at a show we did last spring called Never Have I Ever. Uh, so it's just it's a yarn. It's yep. just fun. Take a listen. I've never been particularly butch. A wave of shock goes through the audience. I, um, I, I was one of those people, one of those kids, even when I was a little kid, people would like stop me on the street and be like, gay. And I'd be like clutching my pearls as a seven-year-old. <laughs> it was very confusing to me. Even after I came out as an adult, I was still like, what's going on with the rest of the world? And as, a, you know, as an adult, people would call me gay or, or, or another word that I don't, uh, you all know what word I'm talking about. Uh, friendly. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> And they would just, they would shout it out at me. One time I was coming home from the gym. I was wearing, you know, a baggy, like, sweatpants and, like, a, like a, just a T-shirt, like a sweaty T-shirt. It wasn't sweaty, actually. I was just standing on the treadmill watching Jeopardy for uh, a half an hour. And then I came home. Anyway, so I'm standing on the street corner uh, on my way home. And he's, like, in this nondescript outfit. And this guy drives up in a pickup truck. And he's like, gay. And I was like, first of all, how did you figure this out? And two, where do we go from here, beloved? Like, what are we doing? And it got to that point. I was around 28 years old at this point, and I was like, you know what? I don't. I think I'm tired of this. I'm not. I'm. I'm not unhappy about being gay, but I am perhaps curious what happens if I'm not the kind of person where everybody is always shouting it at me. And the, what I decided was, I was like, oh, you just need to be. You need to be more masculine. You need to get some masculinity in your in your life. Um, uh, and I was like, I, where do you go? You know, for that. <laughs> The, you know, the, the, the store. And so, but I had this roommate. I was living in this roommate who was also, he was also gay, but he was very butch. Like, he would work out all the time, and he was always doing meal prep, whatever that is. And, um, <laughs> and he, like, he was obsessed with sports. I was living in Philadelphia at the time, and he had two cats. He was obsessed with the Phillies and obsessed with the Eagles. And he had two cats, and he named them after two Phillies players, and uh, Cole Hamels and Chase Utley. And so when I moved in, he was like, this is Cole and Chase. And I was like, those names sound like people who are going to haze me at a frat. I can't, <laughs> I can't refer to cats by these names. So I renamed them Susan Sarandon and Jennifer Hudson. And that <laughs> made a lot more sense to me. Thank you. Those are cat names, okay? Like, let's be, let's be serious. So anyway. But I, like, he was very popular. And he seemed very secure. And he was very butch. And I was like, well, maybe I should be like him. And so like, and when the summer came and he was like, hey, you know, my team is looking for another player. I was like, here's my key to masculinity. And so in order to be more masculine, I did what anybody would do. I joined the Philadelphia Gay Softball League. <laughs> now, I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about softball, and I did not care at all about softball. But he was like, and I was like, I don't know about this. And he was like, you can get a tan, and you can get a boyfriend. And I was like, sold. Um, <laughs> And so I like, but I didn't know anything about how to play. And so I Googled softball um, and I went to the Wikipedia and I learned three things. One, <clears throat> you, uh, you throw underhand. Uh, two, the balls are bigger. Uh, three, uh, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to this, I go to this, this, this game and like, and like, I was like, okay, so it's a gay softball league. So just a bunch of girls hanging out, like shooting the shit. Um, and instead it was not that they were very serious about playing softball, which was shocking to me and deeply disappointing. And it was like, they were very serious about everything. They were serious even about being gay. They were only, you were only allowed two players who identify as straight on each team. If you had more than two, 
you're off out of the league. So it was just me and a bunch of very serious sports-minded gays and then uh, one straight couple who was like, we're just so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, you know, they, we went through the drills to see w- what our skills were and they, uh, you know, obviously my skills were uh, uh, public speaking. And, um, <laughs> and so they put me in far right field. Um, there was a right fielder and then I was behind him. I was his understudy. <laughs> And that was fine with me because I had these cute little American Apparel shorts on and I could, like, shout my little jokes about angels in the outfield and a league of their own. I was like, Field of, you heard her Field of Dreams? This is Field of Queens. If you build it, they will come. And I was having a good time, but nobody was really laughing. It was very confusing to me. And, um, and then every once in a while, a ball would get by the, the far right fielder and I was like, oh, understudy rehearsal. And so then I'd have to, like, get the ball in and it was very frustrating because they were very serious about winning, and I felt like I was disappointing them. And every time I would not do the right thing, I'd be like, oh, Eric, I was so gay. And I found my, I was yelling at myself in the same way that other people were yelling at me. I was like, this is not what I planned for. Midway through the season, I'm unhappy on the team. And things are not going well. My tan, amazing. But everything else, <laughs> not great. And uh, they had this coaching session um, for all players who, or they, everybody got a score um, of your, your ability. And anybody who scored a seven or below had to go to this little clinic. So obviously I had to score. I had to go. And I was like, well, this will be my people. This will be a whole bunch of queens just sitting around braiding each other's hair in the outfield. This will be super fun. No. It was a bunch of people who really wanted to get better at softball, which is disgusting to me. So I was like, Eric, you got to get it together. you got to get it together. You came here to do this thing. Well, I didn't, but I, now I wanted to. I was serious about it. And I was like, all right, you are going to learn how to be better at softball. And so there was this, this butch lesbian woman who was standing at, um, at home base, and she was doing a, a batting clinic. And so I, uh, I, you know, when it was my turn to come up to bat, I was like, okay, I'm going to impress her. I'm going to impress everybody here. I'm going to do it. I can do it. I can do this. I can do this. And so I, like, they, they throw the ball, and I'm concentrating. I'm holding the bat, and they throw the ball, and it, it comes right across the plate, and I swing hard, and I miss hard. I miss so hard. I swing so hard and miss so hard that my foot pops up like when they kiss in the movies. <laughs> I did a little spin. And the, uh, the lesbian uh, coach, she was like, well, that was an attempt. Um, she was like... <laughs> She said to me, she's like, listen, honey, that swing was a little gay. Um, let's figure out how to make a, make, shift it. And she said, what you want to do is you want to grip it a little tighter. And I was like, that's what she said. And uh, she was like, you want to stick your butt out? And I was like, <laughs> and she's like, you want to wait a little longer to hit it. And I was like, okay, okay. Focus, focus. No more double entendres for just one second. And so I did it. I gripped it a little tighter. I stuck my butt out. I waited a little longer to hit it. The ball came across the plate. And I did, and I hit it, and I watched it fly over to right field, and I realized in that moment that she, she described my swing as gay, but my swing was gay, and she was gay, and I was gay. We were all gay. That was the point. That was why we're here. And it wasn't the same as when people were lobbing the word at me from the street, and it also wasn't the same as when I was lobbing it at myself, standing in right field, hating myself for who I was. It was different. She was gay. I was gay. The swing was gay. Everybody was gay. The cat hanging out was gay. Everybody was gay. And I turned to her, I was like, I had the best realization. And she was like, can you run around the base, please? <laughs> so I did. I went back to my team. I was like, I have had a discovery. I never hit another ball uh, that year. <laughs> did not do it. 
Um, and, uh, and I eventually ended up quitting the team with, with my regards, and the next year I came back as a cheerleader because masculinity is a drag. Thank you. Did you ever play um, uh, softball? Yes. I could definitely see that. Yeah. You definitely have strong. Yeah. What is, it's giving softball. That's what they would say on social media. Oh. If there was a picture of you. Oh. <laughs> I don't, what do you mean? It's a way. It's a way that they say it. Oh. The kids. Okay. It means like, like if you saw a picture of me, they'd be like, it's giving sexy. You know? Oh, oh, oh. But like for they'd be like, it's giving softball. Really? <laughs> huh. Well, I guess we'll let our listeners decide if that's a fair characterization or not. Um, okay, it so might be Silver Fox for me. We've got a lot of live shows coming up that we would love for y'all to attend. Please find out about them at stoopstorytelling.com. Meanwhile, we will see you back here with more stories from the stoop. Thanks for listening. Thanks.